Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Taekwondo and the Shame Chronicles. I'm your host as always, Kyle. I'm your co-host, Melanie. And I'm Josh. Uh, you guys forgot the as always parts? <laughs> well, I, I'm not, I don't want to make a long-term commitment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, anything you say on this podcast is legally binding, so. Right. Um... So, uh, so like the great woolly bear caterpillar, <laughs> we are, we are back from our hibernation. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it's, if it's, this is like the, the right thing to do in a, uh, entertainment context to like just ignore the fact that we haven't had an episode in like four <laughs> or five weeks. Um, but I feel like maybe we should give the audience a little bit of an explanation. Um, sure. I think a lot of it had to do with uh, there was the Memorial Day weekend, and where where I wasn't here, and then you guys actually moved, like moved your house. Well, you didn't move your house. You moved <laughs> we your left, we you left moved house. your bodies to a new house, <laughs> and all of our crap. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal if we just moved our bodies, but. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh, so how was the how was the move? How was the trip? Uh it was not very fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Are you I mean, are you happy to be where you are now? I guess we can yes. probably say that you guys are in Houston. That's generic enough that nobody's gonna like send you something <laughs> in the mail. Stalk us. Um <laughs> I'm I am happy that we are here now, yeah. Was uh, it? Yeah, I am too. <laughs> was it bittersweet leaving Las Cruces, or were you guys ready to to move back to Texas? Um, I don't know if it was so much that I was ready to move back to Texas as it was I was ready to leave Las Cruces. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, for like uh, environmental reasons or other well, reasons? No, it's just um, like. Our apartment there always felt kind of, or our duplex always felt a little bit claustrophobic to me. Um, like the way it was set up, like there weren't enough windows and, uh, we weren't allowed to paint or really do a whole lot to make it feel really homey. So part of it was, I was just sick of staring at the same white walls all the time. Um, and part of it was that it was starting to get really hot there and our swamp cooler just couldn't handle it. So, I was ready to be, you know, in in a place where everybody has central air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is Texas. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I've looked uh recently it's supposed to get like triple digits here right around 100 in the next week. But in Las Cruces it's going to be like 108. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Well, there's a I mean there's a little bit of a difference in humidity. Probably between Houston and Las Cruces. Sure. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, from the the name of the type of air conditioning they have there, the swamp cooler, does it work <laughs> better or worse with humidity? Worse. Worse with humidity. So that's why they yeah. use it there. Yeah. Because yeah, basically, uh, it... sorry. Go ahead. 
Um, it cools down the air by uh, blowing air through like these uh, pads that have water in them. And so the technical name for it is evaporative cooling. And so as okay. the air goes through there, it evaporates the water, and that cools the air down. But if there's lots of humidity in the air, then it doesn't work very well. Because there's less evaporation happening? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess the normal air conditioning, uh, the first thing it does, or the reason why you like feel an immediate improvement when you turn it on, <laughs> is because it just starts pulling the humidity out of the air. Yeah. Um, we had a situation where um, we had a an air conditioning window unit in our bedroom, and so it would run, and it would be taking humidity out of the air, but then the swamp cooler would be running and putting humidity <laughs> into the air. So. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, probably not the most <laughs> environmentally friendly <laughs> solution. Probably not. That's kind of like... Um, like your refrigerator, it cools everything that's inside the refrigerator, right? But it pumps that heat that it removed back into your house. Mm-hmm. What's well, not quite as bad, but I actually, uh, in one of my engineering classes, I think it was my like thermodynamics class, um, they told us that you could heat your house in the winter by opening your refrigerator door and uh, sticking it up against like your door or against like a window. <laughs> Basically, like, trying to cool the outside air with your refrigerator. <laughs> huh. Uh, anyway, enough uh, <laughs> enough talk about uh, thermodynamics and physics and all that junk. Um, I, I don't know. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about your, your move? I mean, obviously, um. you guys are you're moving for... Sort of, uh, I don't know, you're, as part of the, the, your future, right? It's like, <laughs> Melanie, you're trying to get your, your PhD in, right. uh, creative writing. Is it creative writing? It's creative it's? writing and literature. Creative writing and literature. Yeah. So obviously that's kind of, uh, that's gotta feel good, kind of moving on, yeah. looking forward. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things I always know. Every time I move, I instantly have, like, I instantly like revise how I felt about the place we moved from like the day after I've moved from there. <laughs> I always like move to the place and I get there. It's sort of like having buyer's remorse. Like you've made this commitment, even if you're not buying a house, but you're just renting or whatever. And you've sort of like been looking forward to the move the whole time. And then uh-huh. you get there and you're like, now I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, and it's reality and it's not your yeah. like, perfect the perfect thing that you envisioned for several months yeah and it's like the house that we've moved into is great i really like it and it has a nice yard and the dog seems to like it and um it's really nice but um yeah like the first couple days we were here uh for one thing i'm not used to traffic because las cruces doesn't have much (laughs) um so like I got really overwhelmed like the first couple days that we were here and I was sort of like why did we do this? <laughs> but um but then it it got better and I really liked it so far. Um we've had like some big rainstorms which I'm also not used to coming from Las Cruces, but um I think it'll be good. So Well, that's good. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're definitely not moving back. No. <laughs> <laughs> so any, uh, I mean, any extra strain since you're so far along in your pregnancy? Well, I think that the move like exacerbated what may have already been about to happen, which is that I suddenly got very tired. Uh-huh. Um, because pretty much ever since we like really started packing things and then when we were cleaning and actually like moving the stuff, um, like all of a sudden I felt like I had aged like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, like my joints are like all like sore and my back started hurting really badly. Like I started getting like a kind of like a pinched nerve feeling in my, like right beside my tailbone. Hmm. And um, most of that has kind of lingered. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that hasn't been very fun. But my guess is that some of that would have happened anyway. Maybe just not to the extent that it has. Um, just because of how far along I am. But I don't know. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess for, for the those in the audience who don't know, um, literally like right after you guys moved from... Las Cruces to Houston, uh, you had your baby shower. Right. And, uh, I came down for that and, uh, Melanie, you look, you looked great. Um, (laughs) there was no like awkwardness looking at you. Um, (laughs) for those of you who remember my, my previous episode where I described feeling awkward around, uh, pregnant people, um, that was not there. It was, it was pretty natural. So happy about that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it would have been difficult if you couldn't have looked at me for the couple days <laughs> that you were there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, did you guys get, I mean, and I think you guys have like another, uh, baby shower coming up soon, but did yeah. you guys get a lot of, a lot of stuff that you want or needed? Yeah, we got some of the really big things. Um, we got the crib, which, uh, was delivered. Um, a couple of days ago, um, and Josh put that together yesterday, so it looks really nice. And we got the, uh, car seat and stroller and the bedding and, um, and some little, like, clothes and blankets and bibs and stuff, so. Um, um I suppose, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't be right to put you on the spot and ask you, like, what your favorite gift was. <laughs> since the people who listen to this are friends and family who gave you the gifts <laughs> let's see aunt Teresa gave us the bedding that was pretty great <laughs> no. um no i mean we got like all of the things that we got were things that we really wanted um and needed so it was all really good i suppose um i i was most relieved uh not just to have some somebody purchase the crib for us but to actually get the crib was pretty great. Um, although there's kind of a funny story with that that maybe Josh will tell since I've been talking so much, but, um, yeah, like actually having the crib and having like real furniture to put into the baby's room, uh, makes it feel a little more like we're actually <laughs> preparing for a baby to arrive. So, um, <laughs> so that was a big help. You mean preparing instead of just having an empty room in our house? <laughs> yeah, an empty room that sort of gradually started storing things like a TV and some bedding and uh, other things that don't actually go in there. So, 
Do you want me to tell the crib story? So yeah. That was, going on. <laughs> that, was, that was the very long prompt for, <laughs> for you to start talking, Josh. <laughs> well, um, they called uh, Thursday. I don't know. When did they call to deliver it? Um, it was Thursday because we got it on Friday. Yeah, they called Thursday to say, hey, we'll be there um, between 12 and 1, if that works for you. Because it's a... It's a pretty big box. It's like the kind that UPS won't deliver. Um, and so, so they it goes went through a freight company. Yeah, goes through a freight company. Hmm. Mostly because it's not that it's that heavy, but it's uh, the size of it is like not something UPS typically does. Or, or if they do it, it it's too expensive. Um, so anyway, they schedule it because they had to have somebody here. And so Melanie said, yeah, we'll be here. And then... That morning, we were going to go, like, run some errands, like, go to the bank, and I think we were going to go grocery shopping, and, uh, but I think, Melanie, you kind of woke up late, so we had (laughs) breakfast, and then it was like, well, if we do all that stuff, we're not going to be back in time if they came actually at 12, which, you know, they never do, but... (laughs) right. If we left, they would have. So we're like, well, we can do that after. And so I think I went and got something to eat. I picked up food instead of making something. And then 12 came, and then 1 o'clock came, and then 2 o'clock came. We're like, we decided to wait until 2 because then we weren't sure if they had originally said 12 to 1 or 1 to 2. So we're like, okay, we'll wait. And then it was like a little after 2. So I called the, the company back. And they're like, oh, yeah, they should have been there by now. <laughs> and then, uh, so she had me on hold for a while, and then she was like, I can't get a hold of your driver yet. Let me, I'll call you back. And so she called back in, like, 15 minutes or something. And uh, she talked to Melanie. She's like, yeah, I talked to the driver, and he said that they're running late, which he should have told me, <laughs> because I assume they would have called us and let us know. She was like, but then he'll probably, he said he'll be there in about 30 minutes. And that was about 2.30, I think. Uh-huh. And then a few minutes after that, we got another call, this time from the driver. And he said, I'm running late. I'll be there in about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're like, okay. At this, we actually had something we were going to be doing at 5. Um, we were going to go over to Stephen and Becca's and eat dinner and then uh, play D&D. Oh, yeah. Which we, we could talk about some other time if you want. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, so we, we were like, okay, now it's, because we were actually planning on putting together the crib, and then it was like, okay, that's probably not going to happen. And they, did, they showed up at like 4.30, I think. And then, uh, first they I, we saw the truck, so we let Rory in the backyard before she knew there was someone coming. But uh, I was actually surprised we were able to do that because she usually knows when something's up. <laughs> and uh, and so the guys were right. I almost opened the door as they were coming, but I waited for them to knock. And then they're like, hey, um, you have a wasp nest on your door. <laughs> so they say this as I'm holding the door right by my face. There's like <laughs> a nest right beside my head. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm going to shut the door. <laughs> So I did that, and I knew that we had some wasps spray out in the uh, garage. So I got that, went and sprayed it. Everything was cool. 
And I don't actually think they were like red wasps. I think they were maybe the kind that don't actually sting, but it was a little hard to tell. So we knocked that down. And then I noticed they have this really long crate box thing laying in our yard. And it's like probably 15 to 20 feet long. And it's like (laughs) one foot square, maybe one and a half feet. And they're like, where do you want us to put this? Because I don't think we'll be able to turn it anywhere. And so I was like, uh, I guess you can just put it in the living room. And so they brought it in. They set it down. And then we're looking at it. And we're like, how is that possibly a crib? That is, <laughs> how, why would you pack a crib like that? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> at that point, I'm thinking about, like, this is going to take a lot of assembly. Like, I'm actually going to have to put this thing together like that. They laid all the parts out, like, side by side. <laughs> That's right. what it looked like, yeah. yeah. But they also said it was really light, and so we're like, okay, that's weird. So they gave us the, they had the invoice, which, by the way, they left off the L in Melanie's first name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they had asked for when they called, they're like, is this, is this Meanie, Meanie, Meanie Bone? Every time they called, they, like, didn't know how to say my name. <laughs> yeah. Is this uh, Meanie Sweeney Bone? <laughs> so... We're like, yeah, that's a mistake. And then we we signed the paper, and the guy was like, do you mind if I ask, what is that? And I was like, I don't really know. It's supposed to be a crib. but. And so they they walk out the door, and then Melanie's looking at it. She was like, hey, this says to so-and-so Buick, and it's supposed to go to this other street that's not our street. And so it's like, oh, great. So I, I was they were, they were, like, closing up the truck, and I caught them. And then they looked inside and they, they actually had our crib and apparently they had switched the numbers for like their delivery spots or whatever. Uh-huh. So they brought in a box that looked like it contained a crib. And it said Paley and it said something about a crib yeah. on it. <laughs> it had a sticker that had the, yeah, it said crib on it. And they took the other giant box. I still don't know what that thing was. Um, yeah. It's a good thing you checked because it was probably like one of those like stupid, like, you know, those, uh, those big, like, plastic balloon things that fill up with air. Like, at a car <laughs> that's place. what I said it probably was. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were, we were hoping that's what it was. Which, I, I don't know. You... I mean, the baby probably would be pretty amused by that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool to have in your backyard. Uh-huh. But it couldn't sleep in it, so. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, that, that, that's really it. They we were, we were like, happy. okay. Yeah, they were really nice about it, but. Then we just put it in the room and we left it there and we had to put it together the next day. Well, it's always... Go ahead. I was going to say, it's always nice when, like... I mean, I don't want to say that the drivers were incompetent. Certainly somebody screwed up along the way. (laughs) But it is always nicer when you're dealing, you know, when you have a situation like that where somebody was clearly, uh, I don't know, not on the right medication or whatever that day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's way nicer way nicer when the people you're dealing with are actually pleasant yeah they were super nice um although what i think happened with the difference in estimated delivery time i think what probably happened is the representative that we spoke to on the phone must have gotten a hold of the driver and he probably either flat out lied to her or <laughs> like yeah that's what it sounded like <laughs> yeah because he called not that long after she called us 
Uh-huh. And my guess is that he called her so he wouldn't get in trouble and then uh and then called us to make sure that we wouldn't call them back when they didn't arrive in 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So. I don't think they were from uh this area because in Houston there's that street um or road, Kirkendall. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you've ever seen that spelled out, but it's like a really weird looking word. And one of the guys, that was where the, uh, the Buick part was going to. And he was like, yeah, this one goes to Cayucandal. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've never heard anyone say it that way. <laughs> so maybe they're not from here. <laughs> well, it sounds like, sounds like an ordeal, but, uh, glad you guys finally got it. Yeah, and and the crib is really nice. Um, but it's funny because the directions for putting it together are like, uh, it's it says like you just put it together in four steps, but then each of those steps <laughs> is like you have to attach like four different things within one step, and there are no written directions. It's only a diagram of everything. Oh really. Yeah, so I'm looking at it like, oh my god, this is going to be so hard to do. And then Josh just like figured it out really fast, so <laughs> it wasn't as hard as it looked. But Yeah, I think it only took us like 45 minutes, which I consider a record. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually pretty good, because like, I've put together furniture from like... Uh, from like Target or whatever, and you get like this like flat rectangular box that's supposed to contain like a table and four chairs <laughs> right? And, yes. and it ends up taking like six hours to put the whole thing together <laughs> yeah well we also got the glider chair it's like a little rocking chair but it glides uh-huh. um we got that uh like a week ago and with that one it was looked pretty simple to put together but then it has like the padding that you put on the chair it had to like snap into uh, these little snaps that were already on the chair. Uh-huh. And, like, one of them was, like, malformed. And so we're sitting there trying to, like, snap the thing into, like, snap the, the cushion into the chair and it, like, won't go in. And we, like, Josh had literally put the thing together in, like, no time and then spent, like, several minutes trying to just snap the button in and had to, like, unscrew it from the chair and, like, reshape it <laughs> to get it to fit. <laughs> I was like, we are not setting this back. <laughs> like, we're going to make this work. <laughs> yeah, it's so disappointing when you like, you know, because you know it's going to take forever to, if you have to send something back, and right. you've already put half of it together. And sometimes they want you to send the whole thing back. Yeah, yeah. But it it worked out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, on that note, let's take a break. Um, You've been listening to Furniture Talk, (laughs) Uh, The Shame Chronicles. Um, We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, Guys, on our last episode, uh, we introduced a new segment. I don't remember if we named it anything, <laughs> but the premise was uh, I typed the word shame or the word embarrassment or embarrassing into Yahoo Answers, and we got um, uh, 
a group of hopefully funny questions that people have asked. Um, now, I spent like five minutes uh, before today's episode finding a couple of these questions, so hopefully none <laughs> of these are like super bad. Um, <laughs> but here goes. This is the first one. This is uh, a question from Bob Marley, who asks, <laughs> How do police handle the shame and embarrassment of their pathetic existence? <laughs> he, Bob Marley goes on to say, um, and being disowned by society, that must be rough, especially being a shame on their families. How do they cope? I understand they're not exactly human, but what do they do? How do they explain their violent tendencies? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't know that there's really anything that we can, uh, that we could say to help this person. Right. <laughs> because I think their question is a little misguided. But I do want to read one of the answers to this question. Okay. And this is uh, the answer from a user called question mark. Just uh, the question mark character. Um, they keep our communities safe. They have to be violent to control the horrible people out there. Do you want your family to be murdered or raped? Didn't think so. Police help everyone. <laughs> And then it says, sources, I'm a sheriff. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how question mark knew that you didn't want your family to be raped or murdered? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I find it a little weird that that this person um, openly is like, they have to be violent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they they have to be violent to control the horrible people out there. (laughs) That's, That's their job is to be violent to horrible people. Okay. Yeah, fire with fire. That's what that's what that's about. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, I don't. Uh, well, I think you're right in that I don't necessarily accept the the premise of the question, but I would say that from what I've learned from the wire, uh, poli- <laughs> police people drink a lot. <laughs> so maybe that's how they cope. Yeah, and to be. and they are violent. That's that's also true, (laughs) especially when they've been drinking. (laughs) Some of some of the characters on the wire do have a shameful, pathetic existence. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe this person is really asking, (laughs) "How do police in the wire (laughs) handle the shame and embarrassment of their pathetic existence?" Uh, In which case, I feel like they should know. It's they drink. Right, yeah. They drink and then drive or do all sorts of crazy, stupid things. Right. Um, okay, let's move on to the next question. Um, this is by Fizzy Bubbler Can't Be Stopped. That's the name. <laughs> uh, with an exclamation point at the end. Okay, the question like is... A dish detergent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scrubbing bubbler can't be stopped. Um, Okay, Canadians. Should Canadians as a society work towards bringing shame back into our culture? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fizzy goes on to say, I think shame is great. Like when you knock up some girl and run away, there should be shame instead of acceptance. While I'm not big on abortion, I'm not against it. But it'd be nice to shame people there too to ensure it's being used like birth control. 
And what about with our public officials when they're caught in lies? In Japan, the shame is so much the official will resign. In Canada, there is no shame, and they just go on as if they never promised to do anything. Shouldn't we bring back shame? <laughs> uh, I do like the... I don't know, the, the premise of this question that it seems like there are a lot of people, especially public figures, who don't own up to the things that they do. Right. Um, I don't think it's specifically a Canadian problem, though. No. <laughs> I think it's so. more of a, a Western problem in general. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, there are certain things that, I don't know, I, I feel like society shames that really shouldn't be shameful. So I think sure. it can probably go both ways. We should bring back shame for things that truly should be shameful, like knocking up some girl and then running away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is that a problem in Canada? Do you think there are like tons of men going around knocking up girls and then running away and then not feeling ashamed about it? <laughs> Well, also, it it's, like. it's hard to measure um, the amount of shame that another person feels because sometimes they feel very ashamed, but you would never know. Right. They sort of internalize the shame. Right. Um, because there's like extra shame in admitting that you're shameful about something, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like the Scarlet Letter, like you can force shame on somebody like Scarlet. And, like, she's, like, just going to go about her life and, like, be persecuted by people. Or you could have Dimsdale, who did a terrible thing and ha privately feels his shame. Wait, I have a question. Is the protagonist's name in the Scarlet Letter Scarlet? That's not right. It's Hester. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Scarlet Letter because it's her letter. <laughs> I couldn't remember that book because I read it in like ninth grade, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's Hester Prynne. <laughs> okay, just had to just had to make sure on that. <laughs> I'm just glad to see that you're uh, preparing for your PhD studies. Yeah, well. <laughs> right, ready ready to get back into school. That's right. Hey, I have pregnancy brain. It's an excuse for anything. Pregnancy brain is that the uh, official scientific term? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Also just known as a woman's brain. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, no, that's not real. Um, <laughs> Women don't have brains. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think uh, that I heard someone say that they were talking about shame and guilt. And that like shame is something you feel in front of other people. And then uh, guilt is something you feel just by yourself on your own. So uh, I think that a healthy dose of, of guilt uh, can be good. Like, But I don't know how you bring that back without shame. So that might not be very useful. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, when you say a healthy dose of shame, <laughs> <laughs> how much shame is that? Or, or guilt, I mean. Is that, because, I mean, that, it's kind of different, like, in different contexts, right? Like, in, like, say, Catholicism, guilt is, like, a pretty big part of it. Yeah. 
whereas like i don't know um like when you're a kid and you did something bad that's not like actually like really that bad <laughs> you just like broke a rule or whatever you probably shouldn't like beat yourself up too much about it yeah yeah it's really a case by case basis um melanie this is this is going to maybe um bring certain things to light about uh, my, I don't know what the right word is, religious practitioning <laughs> <laughs> lately, but are you aware of the changes that they have made to some of the prayers in uh, the Catholic Church? Um, possibly. I I've noticed over the last, like, several years that there have been certain changes but what what kind of changes like changing the words or changing like yeah changing the words so there is a i don't remember which prayer it is which mm -hmm. is also going to expose a little bit <laughs> <laughs> um but uh they changed the words and these are the, these are the new words it is all my fault. It is all my fault. And then there's another line that basically says, like, confirms that it's still all my fault. What? <laughs> okay, let me let me look it up because I think this is important to get the words right and the <laughs> I've not heard that. So yeah, give me just a second. I think this is like, um, you know, like uh, during Vatican II, they made like all these um, sort of like provisions for different countries to sort of have their own spin on Catholic Mass. Where like yeah. they, could, they could do it in like the native language or whatever of that country, and there are right. like certain differences in the ceremonies that happen. I think sure. like recently the church got together. It's not. I don't think they called it like Vatican III, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Vatican III is still Vatican. -ing. Um, <laughs> but uh, somebody, some group of like high-ranking church people got together and changed the words to a bunch of prayers. So let me see if I can look this up. You guys talk amongst yourselves while I'm doing a Google search. <laughs> uh, we talk amongst ourselves all the time, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, but I can't do two things at once, so <laughs> I, can't, I can't carry on this conversation. Um, I feel like I want the uh, the original Yahoo question sounds like it was someone in Canada saying, "Should we as a country do this?" But originally, when they asked the question, I was thinking it was someone from another country saying, "Shouldn't Canada be more ashamed?" <laughs> <laughs> I like that interpretation. <laughs> I like. Um, I think um, people really, think for some reason, Canada is easy to make fun of. But then, for the most part, I think it all sh it would be like a really great place to live. I think it would be too. I would like to live there at some point. In Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That would be cool, I guess. I think it probably depends on where in Canada. Like, I'd probably yeah. be okay living on either of the coasts. Yeah, but not yeah. in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Which I don't want to live in North Dakota either. So. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably true about most uh, most of the states in the United States. 
Because people would rather live on the coast. I think uh, that's true about most countries. Like, <laughs> yeah, the coast is cool, but I don't want to live in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so here's one thing that changed. Um, you remember how before you would say, um, well, let me see here. Before you would say, uh, the Lord be with you, and then, or the priest would say that, and then you would say, and also with you. Right. Right? They don't say that anymore. They don't. No, they don't. Our response should not be, um, and also with you. you. What is it now? Um... Well, I should have been more prepared to start this whole topic. <laughs> um, it's, and with your spirit. What? Yeah. Wait, with the priest's spirit? I don't know. I don't know who we're supposed to be talking to in this scenario. <laughs> well, okay, so probably yes, to the priest. Because I believe in the old, the old way where we said, and also with you, mm-hmm. I mean, the priest... Uh, the father is talking directly to, uh, you know, everyone in the church saying, the Lord be with you. And then everyone says, and also with you, right? So right. the new one would be, and with your spirit, we're obviously talking about, um, you know, the priest's spirit. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Huh. Uh, the other, one of the other changes is, um, remember when you used to say before communion, uh, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. Yes. Uh, now you say, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. What? Yeah. Wait, like under the roof of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're talking about communion. <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> hmm. I find that strange. Yeah. And also, like, do you remember when uh, we used to say, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again? Uh-huh. They don't say that anymore. They just got rid of it. They just got rid of it? Yeah. Isn't that, like, kind of major? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe now it's like an implicit thing, right? Everybody knows that Christ did those things. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but like, they say that part a lot of times in, like, a lot of churches sing that whole, like, they like sing a song for that prayer. And that's like the, that's like the, uh, that's like the climax of the song usually. (laughs) Like that part of it is like, it's like the part where the music's totally different and it's like all, uh, exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so, yeah, the reason why I know these things is because, uh, over, um, Memorial Day weekend when I went to visit dad and go fishing. Uh-huh. Um, I went to, to mass that Sunday. Right. And there's literally, you know, in the spot where they, you know, behind the pews where they put all the, um, the books for, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, all the readings and the, the songs and everything. Yeah. There are these laminated sheets that have all of the prayers, all of the changes to the prayers. They like bolded all the words that have changed. Because I guess it's a kind of new thing. And obviously people have been like reciting these prayers for decades. So right. any change to it is going to be uh, kind of crazy. Right. Well, you know, I've always felt like the church that dad goes to, there's something different about that church. Like. Yes. <laughs> like, I mean, not in a good or a bad way. It's just it, they seem to embrace um, like older traditions a lot and i know these are like new things but it sounds to me like i think yeah i think these changes are supposed to be better translations of what the right. old latin was so i i think that maybe they are sort of going back to the the roots of what these original prayers were so yeah right. i guess in that sense i think you're right i think dad's church would embrace these probably a little bit easier than some other uh some other churches that i've been to yeah, I think so too. Still, um, yeah. So, like, there's another one. You know the the uh, profession of faith prayer. It's it used to start with yeah. we believe, we believe, right. and whatever. Now it it starts with I believe. So it sort of makes it less of a huh. group thing. Um, instead of saying one and being with the Father, you say consubstantial with the Father. What? Ooh. <laughs> Consubstantial is a way better word. <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> um, okay, according to this article, consubstantial is not really a translation. It is a transliteration. Mm-hmm. The same Latin word spelled in English of the Latin consubstantialis, which means one in being. <laughs> so basically... <laughs> They just changed it to the Latin word. Almost Weird. exactly the Latin word. So they decided, um, this doesn't translate that, that well. Let's let's just change it back to the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um I could I could literally just like read all the changes here, but I I'm trying to find the one that uh specifically says it's all my fault. Let's see if I can find that real quick. It's it's kind of weird that they change these things because, like, part of a Catholic mass is like it's always the same. <laughs> so, like, if you no, it don't was go to... it was it was a huge shock to me when yeah, like like I have these things like ingrained in my brain, and I'll okay, I'm just gonna come out and say it. I haven't been to church in in years consistently. <laughs> like, right. I'll go occasionally, right? But um. It's so ingrained in me that when I get back, when I go to Mass again, like, I just know all of the prayers, right? You just, it's right. like reciting from, like, the deepest parts of your brain. <laughs> right. So when I went to to this Mass and all of the prayers were just, like, slightly different, it felt like I was, like, in the Twilight Zone or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt that way at Dad's Church before, too, because sometimes <laughs> they just, no, sometimes they they respond to things in Latin. Yeah, and um, this might also be the same thing where, like, I haven't, you know, I'm not a regular churchgoer, right? So sometimes when we'd go to, to Mass at Dad's church, they do, like, just slightly different things, like um, like during, during the Our Father prayer, they right. would, like, hold their hands up in the air at certain points. 
Yeah, and but now like, they don't hold hands anymore. Yeah, there was a traditional thing where, like, during the Our Father, everyone would hold hands, and then, like, at their at their church, all of a sudden, like, I'm reaching for people's hands, and they're <laughs> yeah, just they're like, like no way, me. dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is a thing that has that has spread to lots of Catholic churches, so it's not just there. But that's a weird thing. It, it makes it feel less of a less of a group thing that you're going to, and more of like a I'm only here for myself kind of thing. Right. Um, okay, I found the part that I was talking about. Okay, okay. so in the uh, the I confess prayer, mm-hmm. you know, the I confess all my sins, that part? Yeah. Or that prayer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is, this is what it says now. It says, I have greatly sinned. And then, well, I don't remember which part this is actually replacing. It's not listed here. I have greatly sinned. And then it says, through my fault, through my fault. Through my most grievous fault. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't harsh enough before. <laughs> yes. So like if you're looking for a guilt trip, <laughs> go, to, <laughs> go to church and read this prayer. <laughs> wow. That's pretty intense. Did they, maybe they felt like people didn't feel guilty enough when they... Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess it makes sense. It's, it's, in the, it's in the prayer that starts with I confess. However, <laughs> still, it's, uh, it's a little bit... It's it was quite a shock to me to yeah. to just be reading that out loud. I feel yeah. like the the previous prayer didn't really I mean, I guess the, in the previous prayer it was sort of put on you like it was it was like your fault but it was more like implied. <laughs> right. Like you're supposed to be you're supposed to be confessing, you know, your sins or whatever, but uh I don't know. It just it was a little more flowery before. My most grievous fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that the one that's like, I've, I've sinned, like, in my thoughts and in my words and what I've done and what I've failed to do? Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Okay. Well, that's, that's enough <laughs> of, uh, of that weird segue. <laughs> um, the point so, is, Catholic Church has no problem uh, making people feel ashamed. <laughs> yeah, so maybe... Um, part. Yeah, to, to get back to this question answer, fizzy, fizzy bubbler can't be stopped. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe Canada should just adopt a national religion and make it Catholicism. <laughs> and then everything will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> let's let's move on to the last question. Okay. Um, this is by uh, username Anthony, um, and the question is, who else has been scammed by Nigerians? <laughs> <laughs> if so, what happened, and what did you get back, and how did you get it? Oh, um, and then he says, some Nigerian scammed me a week ago. They set up a PayPal, which was cloned to the original. They managed to get my PS Vita game memory card. That was a shame, but I don't know if I am entitled to get any money back. Actually, let me read that last question, or that last sentence again. But I don't know if I am entitled to get any money back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> I don't think I've been scammed by Nigerians. No, um, as far as I know. Yeah, I'm assuming that... Well, I don't... So, sometimes it's hard to tell if people on Yahoo Answers are, like, being serious or if they're just, like, trolling all the other people, all the 
question mm-hmm. answerers. Um, I'm assuming that this is somewhat, you know, a, a slight tweak on the whole uh, Nigerian prince email scam right. <laughs> that, yeah. that has been around since the dawn of email. Um, <laughs> to, I had a, a somewhat similar experience. Like, I've never gotten the Nigerian prince scam email before, but I did about six months ago get an email from somebody claiming to be um Ahmadinejad's daughter <laughs> and uh, about how um she was trying to get all of all of their family money out of the country um and uh you know it was basically the same thing it's just a different country instead of Nigeria. <laughs> So, who's your audience on that one? I mean, <laughs> I'm going to help the Ahmadinejad fan. Exactly. I think it's it's probably, like, dumb people who are planning on maybe scamming this person who sends the email out. Like, maybe they're thinking that, like, um, they're going to send this email out to, like, like, hardcore Americans who are, like, really patriotic and hate Afghanistanian leadership or whatever. And it's like when that. when Ahmadinejad's daughter sends like wires over all this money into this account, they're just gonna close the account and take the money. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe they're maybe this scam is actually scamming potential scammers. Right. <laughs> like double agent. Yeah. This is this is a this is what they call a long con. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> have you guys ever gotten any weird emails like that? I've gotten the Nigerian prince emails. Oh, you have? Yeah. I I've always like, like I, I knew that it was like a real thing that people got, but since I'd never gotten it, I didn't think that it was like that prevalent or that widespread. Yeah, I've gotten them a few times. Do you have a reply? <laughs> no, I just delete them. I have this, um, I, like when I get something like that, I have this like panic and I have this ridiculous notion that the longer the emails open, the more susceptible I am to them like getting something from me. So you just delete so, it like, as quick as possible. I, yeah, I just delete it as fast as I can before like a virus gets downloaded or something. Even though I'm pretty sure you'd have to like click on an attachment. <laughs> <laughs> um, this uh, this Yahoo question answer comes to us from England, so. It looks like uh, not even uh, British people are immune from <laughs> from Nigerian scammers. Yeah, I th- I feel like uh, for the most part, the Nigerian prince email scammers are probably not Nigerian at all. Right. Uh, but it sounds like this person has uh, been scammed by a legitimate like, Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, okay, let me read, uh, let me read this answer by, uh, user Edward. Wait, wasn't the question person named Edward? No. Question, questioner was Anthony. So Edward says, uh, take it up with PayPal. Nigerians are known to run internet money scams. (laughs) Those Nigerians. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I think I read an article that, that that is actually true. That that's like one of their, Basically, it's it's easier to 
uh, run an internet scamming like operation in Nigeria than it is to like actually make money legitimately there. Do you think which is, there which the is girls are sad. like the girls are like I met this great man. He's a an internet scammer, so you know he's loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I like I, that's the thing that I that I read that it's not like a like people who are scammers there. There's not like the same stigma that's attached to it as there is like scammers over here. Mm-hmm. It's like it. I don't know that it's seen as like a completely legitimate way of making a living over there, but it's <laughs> it's seen as more of a legitimate uh, legitimate job. So there's some. Uh... Eastern European countries are like that too. I think I want to say Ukraine, but that might not be right. But it's basically the same thing. <laughs> um, we just pissed off our Ukrainian listener. Yeah, I'll I'll apologize if I find out that's wrong. He's he's gonna I'm send gonna me an angry that. email asking if I want any of his, I don't know, Soviet Russian money or whatever it is. <laughs> Is that racist? <laughs> I don't know. Regionist? Um, communist. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so thank you, Yahoo Answers Questioners, for sending in your questions. Um, <laughs> if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer um, about specifically the topics of uh, embarrassment or shame or things that are a shame... Um, <laughs> Which I guess is just to say things that are not awesome. Um, or things that us... are a real, real shame. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if you want to tell us something that's a real, real shame, like the cost of uni, uh, <laughs> or 375 for a liter of petrol, um, <laughs> please uh, please send us an email. Uh, email address is shamechronicles at gmail.com. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. You've been listening to Taekwondo and the Shame Chronicles. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, guys, I wanted to ask you, uh, since you guys are both sort of... Uh, uh, what's the right word? Creative people? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were looking for genius. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, that's also why I'm asking you because um, I am dumb. <laughs> please, please help me to understand this. So, uh, so I was, I was thinking recently about, um, like, I get this urge to every once in a while when I'm like editing a podcast to just uh, edit in. Like the sound of like a car crash. Or like a plane exploding, like from like with inside the plane. Um, or like maybe the sound of a, uh, like a treadmill, um, exploding. <laughs> So that the people who are listening to this, I'm assuming that they're listening, like, while all these things are happening, you know, it would, like, totally freak them out for a second. Right. And, um, but then I thought that that would only be funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) Probably be really annoying to all the people who are 
you know, not running on a treadmill or flying in a plane or driving in a car. Now, the other thing I thought of was like, I know a lot of people do like chores or dishes while, while li- listening because chores is not, <laughs> dishes is not chores. Um, <laughs> basically doing chores while listening to the podcast. So like, uh, like maybe the sound of like a hand, um, going into a garbage disposal. Uh, <laughs> or like a vacuum cleaner exploding. <laughs> really just anything exploding. Um, but so getting back to my question, <laughs> do you guys ever have like this weird urge to like, I mean, you're, you're creating something, let's say you're writing something or maybe painting something. Do you ever have the urge to just drop in something that's like completely, like completely like subverts the expectations of the person that you're you're doing this for, <laughs> just like for your own amusement? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I don't know that I ever would do it just for my own amusement. Sometimes I would do it to, like for a stylistic point, like it would it would still work with whatever I was writing, for example. I don't think that's exactly what you're talking about, though. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm talking about the the kind of um, what was that movie? Uh, what was the okay? The movie was called Man on the Moon mm-hmm. with Jim Carrey, Andy and it was Kaufman. about Andy Kaufman. Yeah, right. I feel like that was like kind of his whole mo, where he did a lot of stuff that like only amused himself, but then like <laughs> years later, people thought he was like like comic. A comic genius for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do with my writing. <laughs> you hope that somebody will like notice like a small part and like, like right now, if they were to just read it like in the moment in today's context, they would read it and just think like this is garbage, or like <laughs> why are you putting me through this? <laughs> but yeah. in but in thirty years, you hope that they just find it hilarious. Yeah, the, I want what the phrase I want to describe me is he was before his time, or he was ahead of his head of his time, <laughs> right? So, uh, which is probably why I don't have anything published. So. <laughs> <laughs> you th- you think it's because <laughs> because of all those uh, like weird like like a like a weird sexual innuendo that you uh, threw in on like page seven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I kind of that's. I've probably been doing that a little bit more recently with kind of, uh, especially like, well, I had this, I, I had to take a workshop this last semester because I switched to over to the fiction program and you're supposed to have four workshops in your genre. And even though I'd taken like, I took nonfiction class, which is also prose and I had two poetry workshops. Like I had plenty of workshops, but I only had three fiction workshops. So I'm taking one in my last semester, which is not something people usually do. So I didn't really take it necessarily all that seriously. Um, so I did, I mean, for my last workshop, I revised the story and basically I took out like all the dialogue and, um, just basically described everything that was happening. Um, which one of the big things in fiction they always tell you is like, 
show, don't tell, which means mm -hmm. don't just um, summarize everything. You should put it in scene where, you know, people can be engaged with it. Right. So I just put it, I just summarized everything and told you what everybody was thinking and why they were wrong. Um, <laughs> and it was just because I thought that would be entertaining. So <laughs> that, uh, that kind of makes me think of something, something uh, along the same kind of lines, right? Like where that's something that you mentioned, like show, don't tell. It's kind of frowned upon to just give summaries of everything, right? But, like there are other things that, you're not supposed to do like plagiarize other people's <laughs> works, right? <laughs> but what right. if, but what if you plagiarized for, <laughs> for some sort of artistic purpose, <laughs> but without like calling attention to it, like within the creative work? Well, you can do that. You can just put an index at the back or just put like a note in the back. Yeah. But I what think. if you, but what if you don't put a note? Like, what if you, what if you're, you're the whole purpose of this thing is to get people to think that you plagiarize and wonder if you did it on purpose or not? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I would, I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, um, is it reality hunger? Yeah. David Shields. Yeah. His, he has a, a book about sort of fiction and nonfiction and, he would argue he he would wanted to not have the end the appendix at the end of his book that said you know this is where all these sources came from. So like on the first page of the book, it's like you should rip out the appendix because I don't think it should be there, but my publisher <laughs> made me put it in there. Yeah, and then there's a note when you get to it that says like you should take out your scissors and cut out these pages or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, his argument basically was that like everything we do is built on the works of others. Um, and so it's a little false to suggest that if you don't include all your sources, that somehow you came up with everything on your own. So that's, that's part of his argument. He has a lot of different arguments actually, but <laughs> right. I mean, I suppose there's like a, a legal requirement for you to, you know, source your source, your work um, in that, you know, there's publishing rights, like where you can't like reproduce a certain amount of, of somebody else's work without yep. <laughs> giving attribution, right? But then right. there's also this sort of more, um, I don't want to say like, I don't know, maybe academic is the right word, but the, the academic reason or the academic uh, push for you to to sort of show show what uh, what work is others and show what work is yours. I guess mm -hmm. by the part that isn't uh, isn't annotated as somebody else's work. Right. Yeah. Well, like um, I think T.S. Eliot said that uh, immature poets borrow and mature poets steal. <laughs> uh, it's just, I mean, like that's where good work comes from is from taking other things that other people have done and and. Uh, refiguring them, you know, however you want. But we do have pretty, uh, maybe not strict, but uh, strict copyright laws now that, like, it used to be, I think copyright laws were, like, for 12 years. Um, so, like, you know, after 12 years, basically works became public, public property, essentially. Right. But we keep extending them, you know, 
I think they're up to like 90 years or something like that on some stuff now. Yeah. Right. It's because of Disney, right? That's the whole yeah. thing. Every time, yeah. every yeah. time something that Disney worked on comes up for <laughs> right. to be expired, they push Congress to extend it. Yeah. And it's so it's to the point. It's like, well, I get, I'm getting a lot of this from a book I read about creativity, but, um, basically like it's good because it, you know, protects authors works. And so it's worth it for you to try to produce something and to be able to copyright it and make money or whatever. But it stifles creativity. If you, if you feel like you're going to get in trouble every time you, if you fear that you're stealing something from someone else, you know? Right. Right. And it's not just with writing, but with other like, you know, inventions and stuff like that. Especially right. With, yeah. With like patents. Yeah, mm -hmm. patents and with patent trolls. Yeah. Copyright ogres and. <laughs> <laughs> is that what they call them? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> but, uh, but that is uh, that's trademarked actually. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So we can't we can't ever use that. Okay. Yeah, you can't use that. <laughs> well, you know, the trademark is the thing that you have to protect, right? <laughs> yeah. You have to like sue somebody to protect your trademark. Um. I was going to ask something, but now I can't remember what it was. Um, talk amongst yourselves. Oh, sorry. You know, like, the one way to get around copyright uh, infringement is if you claim that it's parody. Um, right, yeah. Well, maybe that's not the one way, but that's like a a primary way that people have done it in the past. But yeah. could you could you insert a big chunk of somebody else's work into the middle of your work and claim that it's parody? I guess it I probably depends on what your work is. Yeah, I don't know if you could just word for word take what they wrote. Right, because parody implies sort of modification of the original right. material. Right. But what if what if by supplying it with a different context, you make it parad paradiacal, <laughs> paradoxical? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what I was like, about to say. You, maybe if you took somebody's dialogue, but you put it in a completely different scene or something, then it would make it really funny or right would just give it a different feel. Yeah, I I mean it really comes down to your defense of it i think probably like if you can make a case for it then you could probably get away with it <laughs> sure <laughs> but i don't know when you know like you know i don't know if you can know from before you've written it whether or not you can get away with it that's part of the i guess that's part of the fun yeah <laughs> there's um i i feel like uh like if you create art out of somebody else's copyrighted material i feel like you have a better chance of getting away with it um there's a there was a uh case that a court case a few years ago maybe like 10 years ago when dvd encryption was cracked um there was like a specific i don't know if you guys are familiar with encryption at all but basically it's like a long string of characters that forms a key that is used to decrypt the contents of uh, what's on the, the DVD disc. Mm -hmm. And there is like a master key that can unencrypt like any any DVD 
or any content that's encrypted on a DVD. Huh. Um, and somebody basically reverse engineered uh, this encryption key and published it, like published the key. And the mm-hmm. the creators, like the maintainers of the DVD standard, claimed that it was um, copyright infringement or maybe it was breaking some patent or something. Um, because the the key or the source code or whatever was copyrightable. Um, but then, because of the court case, the uh, the key became sort of public knowledge because in the documents of the court case was listed the key. <laughs> <And they> basically, <laughs> they weren't able to. Um, uh, I don't know what I don't. What's the word when they like anonymize things? I can't remember the word. Um, but anyway, somebody then took the key and converted it to a haiku, like a really long haiku. <laughs> or like haiku triplets or whatever that's called. Um, and copyrighted the the haiku uh, because it was... <laughs> well, I don't know if they copyrighted the haiku, but basically they were able to get around, get around the copyright infringement because it was a, a work of art or something like that. Huh. That's anyway, strange. <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to publish anything that's copyrighted, I think all you have to do is write it in haiku form. <laughs> well, that's why we've been doing this contest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you <laughs> if you have an infinite number of monkeys and an infinite number of typewriters, you'll get an infinite number of copyright <laughs> 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 copyrighted material in haiku form. <laughs> I think that's the logical extension of that uh, of that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> remember, uh, I can't remember the names now, but basically, this uh, I want to say this. I, I'm going to get these mixed up. I think, but it was like a photographer who took pictures of these works of art and then published them in their photography book. Uh, but like didn't do anything to them. Um, he just but like they were took claiming. a really, really good, clear picture of somebody's painting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, and they were making an argument that they were creating art from this other art. And, uh, I think that, that doesn't sound right anymore. I have to look, I'll have to look that up and get back to you. But basically the idea was similar to that. Like someone just copying someone else's, um, artwork and then, you know, Claiming that it was their artistic, uh, right? Creation. That's like, I mean, that's kind of the definition of like a slippery slope, right? If you let somebody take just a photograph of something that is artistic and then call that like a unique work, then theoretically, okay. anytime I like photocopy my professor's syllabus, <laughs> right. that's copyrighted in the bottom, I can say that I'm making a <laughs> an artistic work <laughs> out of his original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with like um, sampling music, like. A lot of times people don't get away with what they're wanting to do with creating new music out of old music or whatever. Right, yeah. Yeah. You know, vanilla ice, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying that vanilla ice when he sampled that David Bowie song for his song <laughs> he didn't get away with it. What? It was uh Queen, wasn't it? Queen Queen and David Bowie, I think. Above. Oh. It was under pressure. You know what? Oh, we I have know this that- we have this incredible audio setup. 
I'm just going to play <laughs> samples from both of these, and then we're going to get sued for copyright infringement. <laughs> um, no, give me a we second. We just need to make a parody of it, and then we'll be okay. Uh, okay, this is Under Pressure, and this, this song came before Vanilla Ice's song. <laughs> That pretty much sounds exactly like Vanilla Ice's song, right? <laughs> okay, now let me play Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> this album is called Vanilla Ice is Back! Exclamation point. <laughs> and then hyphen after that, Hip Hop Classics. What? <laughs> <laughs> Released in 2008. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I actually don't know if this is actually his song <laughs> or a cover. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, yes. Well, the way I've heard him defend it is the original goes dun 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 and his goes. I believe yeah, I have it. seen that VH1 <laughs> <laughs> special. Because <laughs> I can clearly picture him saying that. So, it's yeah. totally different. <laughs> you can see where he's coming from. Uh, on uh, So You Think You Can Dance, which we watch. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Recently, they had these two these two guys who dance like hip hop together, and apparently uh, they tried out last season, and then apparently they a bunch of people um, were really angry with them because they stole this dance from these other guys on YouTube, <laughs> and uh, they got like all this hate mail and stuff like that, and uh, so then they were like, no, it was like a tribute, you know, we were we were doing a tribute to these other guys, and then. Uh, they were like, you didn't show that part of the interview. Mm-hmm. And so then they like rolled the clip from the last, the previous season. And they're like, we're, we really like these guys and we're going to do a tribute to them. <laughs> and so because they didn't show that on the show, like they got all this hate mail and people told them that, you know, they shouldn't be dancing and all this other stuff. They even right. like were like, you should die. <laughs> like, yeah. Stuff like like that. really harsh stuff. <laughs> um, I think that's similar to what happened on American Idol a couple seasons ago when, um, Oh, who was the the guy who was able to like yell really loud? <laughs> oh, I remember. Adam uh, somebody. Yeah. Adam Lambert. Yeah. yeah. He did a couple of. He's basically sang a couple of like cover versions of some songs, mm-hmm. and I don't think he necessarily ever claimed that they were like his originals, but I don't think he ever came out and said it until like when it was time for the uh, elimination show that. Uh, and then I think, like, going forward from that point, he would basically say, yeah, I found this on the internet or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. And, and people just get touchy when they think you're trying to take credit for, like, an arrangement that's not yours or... Yeah. Or whatever. And sometimes it's like, I never claimed it was mine, and just because you didn't know that someone else had done this arrangement, that's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Changing subjects a little bit, Melanie, 
and Josh, I guess, since you were also part of that episode. Um, do you guys remember the uh, the music episode that we did for the verses segment? Um, I remember that yes. happening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember uh, when we decided between dub and dubstep, and between corn and Limp Biscuit? Yeah. Apparently, corn is doing dubstep now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let me see if I can just uh, play you one of these corn songs. <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a proper version two of our uh, <laughs> musical uh, versus segment at some point, but uh, but for now, just so that I don't forget about it. Um. Okay, this is called. Well, okay, I have actually see two two different songs. One of them is called Evolution, E V I L, Evolution, <laughs> by uh, Jonathan Davis and a couple of um, a couple of dubstep artists. But there's also one called um, Narcissistic Cannibal um, <laughs> that features Skrillex. And somebody else called Kill the Noise. So that's the one I'm going to play. <laughs> okay. enough of that <laughs> i can um, i could see that playing in a transformers movie <laughs> <laughs> i feel like this is pretty much the only logical evolution that or evolution excuse me that corn could possibly take is <laughs> is into dubstep like a mix between dubstep and whatever they were doing before uh-huh. uh like rap rock or whatever that was called right it's funny because I had a friend in high school who uh, was a really good guitar player, and he played like liked a lot of metal and stuff like that. And he was really into Corn when they came out. And then a few years after, uh, he was in Austin and he was in a band, and I listened to their music, and it was a lot like that. It was a lot, like a lot of uh, electronic and uh, sort of turntable type stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's kind of weird that you change so much <laughs> but it also it, it, it makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah I, f- I feel like um well i don't feel like an expert on the subject but um the trajectory of music that corn has taken over the years <laughs> has gone from kind of this like mix of like rock music and um uh bagpipes to right. like to like a more like industrial rock sound, to like rock slash rap, um, and then along the entire way, uh, Jonathan Davis um, has basically been making dubstep noises with his mouth. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so I think it's only <laughs> natural that the music sort of follows suit. <laughs> um, okay, well, that was kind of a departure from what we were originally talking about. Uh, <laughs> although, I, if you think about it, this is kind of a collaboration, which is similar to, to what we were talking about uh, with sort of remixing people's works. Uh, was there anything else that you guys wanted to to mention on the subject of anything that we talked about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to encourage you to put vacuum blowing out noises into the podcast at random points. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to see if I can find one. Um, that was the thing. Like, like I was gonna put or see if I could find the noise of um, like maybe somebody like a treadmill like getting out of control and then somebody like. <laughs> like falling off of it but then i was like in order to do this i would like have to go to the gym record and like rig up some <laughs> treadmill to fail um and then yeah stand stand right next to the person on it with like a microphone <laughs> they would probably see through that yeah you might the problems you might run into wouldn't be copyright problems in that case <laughs> right right yeah um, it's not video, it's only audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, that would be that would be a difficult thing to do. I I think that there are like videos of people doing this like on YouTube <laughs> or like <laughs> commercials where people have been like basically trying to jump onto a treadmill that's moving as fast as possible and yeah. then start running and then like falling. Yeah. Slamming into a wall or whatever, right? But but what I want to get is like that that sound, you know, like when your feet are sort of hitting the ground. Get that sound for about ten seconds, and then have the sound of uh, maybe the treadmill blowing up or whatever. <laughs> There's a uh, a MythBusters clip where uh, Adam, I think it was, was they were testing ways to sober up quickly. And oh, yeah. was, uh, to do exercise, and so he was running on the treadmill while drunk, and he ended up uh, wiping out. So that that might give you the sound. <laughs> yeah. Then you will run into the copyright issue. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Okay, that's probably going to do it for the show. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, if you want to, you know, write in, you can write in about anything. The Email address is shamechronicles at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us a, leave us a voicemail. Uh, the number is 914-40-SHAME. Um, and we have a website. There's going to be a new version of the website rolling out, uh, probably before you download this episode. Um, but, uh, that's at shamechronicles.com. Uh, you can find all of our contact information there. You can browse previous episodes if you haven't listened to them all. Uh, I'm going to make a recommendation that you don't go back and listen to like the first five episodes. <laughs> I think we were still kind of like coming into our own at that point. <laughs> right. The first one, I think the first one was probably pretty good. And like one of the segments in the second one was pretty good. <laughs> um, but at that time, I don't think I was doing a very good job of sort of uh, keeping us on track and keeping things interesting. So... Um, uh, which I'm really not doing a good job of right now either. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, if you like the show, you can also um, rate us on iTunes or leave a review. Um, right now, we only have one review, 
um, from, I believe, uh, Josh. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, before he joined, though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, and and it's technically not his his regular handle because I think he misspelled it. I think it's <laughs> under like Whitlin Prof or something like that. Yeah, it's my street name. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so anyway, you can uh, you know leave us a leave us a review or whatever on iTunes. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Can you say something? Uh, you can indeed say something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Josh, can you say something? Uh, yeah. I can say uh, more than one thing if you want. <laughs> uh, that's good. I only need one thing. Okay. Um, give me a second. Can you guys hear that okay? Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a, a good episode, I, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually just what I was listening to before. <laughs> before we started. This is going to be a non-musical episode, unfortunately. <laughs> maybe, maybe the next one, because we still owe... Steven, a, uh, <laughs> a versus between um, Death Cab for Cutie and Death Clock. <laughs> um, I think that's going to do it for the show. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs> now I have to search for the music. <laughs> 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 uh, well, it's been a few weeks. You know, you're a little rusty. Yeah. Let me try that again. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, thank you, everyone. For... Crap, I still can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For real this time.